in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I'm uh, grateful that you've blessed me to be a father to three wonderful children. And I, in no way, shape, or form, have perfected uh, the parenting thing, particularly when it comes to discipline and what that means for our children. I need work. We all need work. And sometimes, Father, we believe that it's just a a behavior issue that we can change through self-discipline. But there are things going on in our heart that cause us as parents to not understand and to not uh, live up to through the power of your Holy Spirit, live up to the challenges that we have as parents and the biblical instruction that you've given us in that, in that regard. So God, I pray that all of us would just admit that we haven't done it right at times, we haven't done it perfect at times, but we have been saved uh, by Jesus who is perfect, who has given us his righteousness, who is our advocate with the Father and who empowers us by the Holy Spirit to live out and obey the commands that you've given us. So I thank you that today might be the day where some light bulbs uh, click on, that your Holy Spirit will challenge and empower us to be obedient to your word. I do pray for those who are sick uh, or injured or facing difficulties in their life. God, watch over them. And we pray that the peace that passes all understanding will guard their hearts and their minds in Christ Jesus. May you bless our time together in your word. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You have a seat. So what do you think about when you hear the word training? The word training, ooh. Um, I, I think about summers in Estes Park. That's where I grew up as a, as a child. My dad, uh, you might think, by the way, that that was a, a glorious experience, and it was. It's beautiful up there. But my dad is a, a wrestling coach, uh, primarily also a football coach. He coached some other sports as well. He's a high school teacher and coach. And when I hear the word training, I think of summers in Estes Park, where my dad took a climbing rope and attached it to the tallest limb of this huge ponderosa pine right out in front of our yard and said, your summer training will be to climb this rope five times a day. We agonized, we meaning my brothers and I, we agonized over having to do that. He would make us run out to the, uh, the main highway, which was about a quarter mile or so. It'd sprint out and sprint back and push-ups and set-ups and climb the rope and run and push-ups, and set-ups, and climb the rope, and run. It sounds a lot like CrossFit, right? That's why I don't do that anymore. Uh, That's what training sounds like to me. Just a lot of exercise, and a lot of work. Um, But the biblical understanding of training, in terms of how we shepherd our children, our families, is rooted in the word discipline. Okay, Discipline in Scripture most of the time, is equivalent to the word training. And a big chunk of shepherding your family is discipline. And it is training. And the Bible speaks of discipline maybe differently than some would think. And I know that some of you have come from severe or maybe overly strict backgrounds where discipline was borderline abusive. It was lacking in love. And it was performed under this guise of false control, which is really rooted in pride, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But then there's others of you maybe on the spectrum that have come from very lax disciplinary backgrounds, 
Um, typically children that <clears throat> uh, were raised after the, the 1950s, many of them raised in very lax disciplinary backgrounds. And the, the concept in a guy named Dr. Spock, not Leonard Nimoy, okay, a different Dr. Spock, um, basically said that children can basically raise themselves, provide them with all the opportunities and, and resources you can, and they'll just kind of get it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, we'll talk about that. Children, um, folks, do not raise themselves. And I have seen that theory uh, in my own home disregarded and proven wrong many, many a time. Uh, there was no boundaries, no guidelines. It wasn't rooted in objective truth of Jesus as King and Lord over all. There is no law. There's no lawgiver. You just kind of figure it out as you go. Um, there, there's many different areas on that spectrum that you may have been raised in, but the difficulty is seeing it in what maybe I would call the third way or Jesus way, which should be the primary way. And in Jesus way, there, there is a need for us. If he is Lord and King over all, including our shepherding of our families, we need to have and pray for a heart change in this area. And so that discipline becomes rooted in the gospel and not our backgrounds. Does that make sense? Um, can I hear a little bit of an amen on that one? Our backgrounds have to subject themselves to what Scripture teaches discipline and training of children looks like. Um, now, let's remind ourselves of what the gospel is. And the whole story from Genesis to Revelation is the gospel message, but there's four basic parts. We were created in the image of God. Yes, that includes children. I know some of you don't think that at times. Um, you think maybe they were the spawn of something else, but they are created in the image of God, okay? And we are fallen, and yes, it definitely includes children. They are fallen. Those little sinners, love them, okay? Third, Jesus died and rose again for our redemption, and your children can know Jesus as Savior and Lord and Redeemer. And you have a pivotal part, not in the redemption of your child. God will do that, but He uses you as the family shepherd to see that redemption come to fruition as you try to raise them biblically and discipline them biblically. And then last part of the Gospel, <clears throat> we are being restored. God uses... Godly biblical discipline to help train, discipline our children to go in the way they should go. It is critical not only to disciple your child, but part of discipleship is discipline. Notice how those two words are very similar for the first several letters of each word, right? Discipline, discipleship, very similar. But discipleship is great. Teaching your kids about the Bible is great. Uh, having them memorize verses, being uh, going through catechesis at home and, and reading all those questions together and learning about God. Great stuff. That's discipleship in some form and fashion. Having a sincere faith, which we'll talk about, is the, the root of that. But you also need to discipline them. And discipline should be saturated with the gospel. How many of you can remember an experience with your parents where the discipline wasn't necessarily saturated with the gospel? My children better not raise their hand. Okay. They could, right? 
Um, I'm fallible in this area. I've sinned in this area. But your discipline should be saturated with the gospel. And let me tell you why and the distinction you need to make. Because a lot of us root our discipline in behavior modification. That will not work. Heart change is what we're shooting for. And discipline done biblically will help the heart change. God will use that to change the heart. You get a changed heart, you get a changed person. If you try to modify behavior, you get a person who might do the right things, but they'll do them for the wrong reason. And once they are on their own, Katie, bar the door. Okay? So we need to have a gospel-saturated discipline. I would call it maybe a rooted discipline. Ephesians 6, 4 is where we're going to spend the first chunk of our time. And this is the question to start kind of the discussion of Ephesians 6, 4. Where is your approach to discipline rooted? Where is it rooted? Think about that. Is it rooted in trying to change the behavior of your child? When you're out in that grocery store and your little created in the image of God spawn is not doing what they're supposed to be doing, and your pride, looking around like, man, people are looking at this display and wondering what kind of a horrible parent I am. And in your pride wells up this desire to change behavior. Now, that's changing the behavior with little children especially is important. We'll talk about how to do that. But is it rooted in that, in, in your pride and behavior modification? Or is it rooted... In wanting to see heart change in your child, and of course this has to be age appropriate, we'll talk about that as well in a moment, but is it rooted in the gospel? Is it rooted in seeing heart change? The passage that I read from Ephesians verses uh, 1 through 4 of chapter 6 is a seminal passage in scripture about parenting. It's short, but it is packed. In verses 1 through 3, it says, and oh, by the way, children, let's listen up. Any children in the house? Raise your hand. Asa, can you raise your hand? That a boy. Yes, sir. Hallelujah. Um, children, obey and honor your parents. Not just obey, but honor. Treat them with a dignified respect that their office of parent, father and mother, is a dignified office. Honor that office. Honor their opinion. Honor their understanding and their wisdom. Be a, a child who is slow to speak and quick to listen, right? Parents are going, yes. And it says that children who do that, who've had that heart change, and because of that heart change, there's obedience and honor. Okay? It says, uh, according to the promise connected to the commandment, that it will go well with you. Uh, I know children who are now 45 years old. It's not going well with them. And it's rooted right here in the obedience and the honoring of their parent. Now parents, before you get all high and mighty. And you say to yourself, yeah kid, get it straight. Okay. This is where Paul goes right after he says that. He talks to fathers. He says to the father, the head of the household, which we discussed a couple weeks ago, do not provoke 
Meaning, do not exasperate. That's one of the older translations. I love those old words. Exasperate just sounds exasperating, right? That's why the words kind of, you know, are cool that way. Uh, Do not provoke. Do not exasperate your child to anger. Do not provoke them. Do not exasperate them to, to the point where they're angry. Okay? It literally means this. Don't stir up or cause an upsurge of anger. Maybe you could put it this way. Don't cause your children to become overly reactionary in anger to how you treat them. Aha! Children honor and obey your parents. And dad, you are one of the uh, starters of that whole experience of your child to lovingly and joyfully obey and honor their parent. If you are obeying this uh, passage, not provoking, not exasperating your children to anger, not causing them to become overly reactionary. Now this again is spoken to fathers. You think Paul might have known something? Because Paul was a dude. Okay, He was a man. And he knows maybe men sometimes have that what do we call it? What, what rationalizations do you hear about our anger problems, men? I have a short fuse. Heard that one before? Kind of a rationalization of your quickness to anger. Um, um, what are some other ones? There's, there's a couple other ones that I thought of, and now I'm not thinking of them. But you know what I'm talking about. Paul knows what he's talking about. There is a, there's a thing in the man's heart, in the father's heart... And it's part of our strength, but it can become a weakness if you use your strength in anger to lash out and you cause your children to become people who lash out. Anger, according to St. Augustine, I don't know how other people pronounce it. I pronounce it the right way. But St. Augustine says, the root of all sin, including anger, is pride. You want to be the Lord of your home. And how dare this child disobey me or cause me an inconvenience. A lot of times it's not even disobedience. It's just an inconvenience. Okay? A kid's going to be a kid. They're going to be inconvenient at times. Okay? That happens. And in your pride, which comes out in anger... You can exasperate and provoke your child to anger themselves, which leads to them not having the heart that can honor and obey their parents. Excuse me, I choked up there. It's a very interesting uh, point. Okay. There's connections. There is a connection on how you react to issues and how your child reacts to issues. Your children's sin or disobedience can cause your heart to react harshly because you are the Lord of your life. How dare this little peasant cause you any inconvenience or sin against you? Folks, that's where it comes from. Gentlemen, especially. That's where anger, and ladies, you experience this as well. That's where the anger comes from. Your kingdom... Even though you might say, my kingdom is is under God. I'm subject to God. I'm just in His kingdom. He is my Lord. He is my Savior. 
A lot of times your anger reveals that your kingdom is not necessarily subjected to God's kingdom. You are being the Lord, small L of your life. And because of that, um, you lash out in anger and in pride that leads to anger. When God is Lord, you don't lash out in anger. Instead, very key point, you see the need for training or disciplining your child. And that is to redirect, literally this word can mean to redirect To get them back on the way of the gospel, not your agenda. Hopefully your agenda is the gospel and then it works out real well. Okay? Let me say all that again. When God is Lord, you don't lash out in anger. Instead, you see the need for training and disciplining your child to get them back on the way of the gospel. Now, this next part, it, it used to say that you are to bring them up in the quote-unquote nurture and admonition of the Lord. Some of our more recent translations say the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I like nurture and admonition. I I like them. I guess I'm going King James only today. Send your letters to Andy Lushak. He'll be glad to talk to you about that. Uh, I like some of these old school words because nurture and admonition are far more uh, packed with meaning, I think, than discipline and instruction, even though that's technically what they mean. I like them better because nurture is training. The word is padia, okay? And it's, it's basically teaching your child how to live under the hand of a loving father, Abba, who Jesus talks about when he prays his Lord's Prayer. And you are looking out for the way of the child, So you're to raise them up and point them to the loving father, Abba, as you are looking out for the way of the child to get them back on track with the gospel and Jesus. And then admonition. Admonition is teaching, but it is warning teaching. Okay? It's teaching facts, but there is a warning associated with this word admonition. So you teach your children presuppositional facts supported by warnings of what consequences can be if those facts are disobeyed. Okay? So you nurture them. Nurture is a, a word of love. It's your heavenly father loves you. Your heavenly father created you. Your heavenly father has a way for you to live. It's rooted in Jesus and the gospel. And you're created in his image and you've fallen and sinned, but you can be redeemed by Jesus And we can have heart change in you. Your heart can be transformed. I'm not just here to change your behavior. And then admonition. I got to warn you about some things. I got to teach you some things about what God says is good, is not good, is wise, is not folly. And and I'm going to teach you and warn you of the consequences if you disobey those things. That's how we are to raise children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Okay, it's football season, so just deal with it. Um, here, here they come. It, it is similar to football in this. I'm a coach of a football team, and I want to teach them the love of the game. Okay, I want to teach them how to play it soundly and safely, but I also want to teach them to love it. Like, it ain't much fun to play sports when it's not fun. Logic. Okay, you can get a degree in that. 
Okay? I, want, I want them to enjoy it. But I also need to teach them uh, to, to play it, like I said, soundly and safely and let them know that despising the instruction that have been given to you to how to play this game with joy, but also soundly and safely, uh, if you despise that instruction, you are going to get hurt. Pastor Mark was telling me a quote by Mike Tyson yesterday in the car that everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth, okay? Like, sometimes we're going to go do our own thing. We got our plan until we get punched in the mouth. It's like, oh, God, that's why you said that was stupid. I'm sorry, okay? Football and other things can teach us that. But I want to love my players, and I want to instruct them to, to be better football players. Similarly, I want to love my children and instruct them to how to be a closer on how to be a closer follower of Jesus Christ because their mission in life is to give glory to God, not to you. Let me take a quick tangent on that little point. Um, some of us have seasons where we're raising our child, so who will get glorified? Me. Like, that's tempting to me all the time. I've got children and they do great things and I'm very proud of all their accomplishments. And, you know, many times it's like, wow, how did you do it? And, you know, sometimes I'm tempted to take credit and then I say, well, it's all their mom. No, I I do give, hopefully, glory to God as much as possible. But there's a temptation in there, which is rooted in pride, which can lead to anger, which can lead to exasperation of your children, which can lead to them not honoring and obeying and then not inheriting the promise that it will go well with them. It's connected. Okay. Discipline rooted in subjection of the father. That's you, the father. Okay, me, small f, to the Father, that being God, leading to true, uh, excuse me, discipline rooted in subjection of me to the Father leads to true love, nurturing, and admonition of children. So gentlemen, ladies, what do we have to get right first? Who is the Lord of your life? Who is the Lord of your life? And by Lord, I mean awe-inspiring, respect-driven, glorifying, capital L, leader, Lord, ruler of your life. If it's you, parenting will not go well. If you're the Lord of your life, parenting will not go well. It will lead to exasperation of your children, and I guarantee you it will lead to exasperation of yourself. Okay? Now, this goes back to what we talked about last week. What is the principal thing that, that is part of discipleship when we're discipling our children? A sincere faith. A simple and genuine faith. Jesus created me. I have fallen. He died and rose again. If I receive him as Lord and Savior, I am redeemed and I will be restored and God is sanctifying me and growing me. And it's, it's this experience of a true, a sincere, genuine faith. It's very similar to you answering the question, who's Lord of your life? You want to be a great dad? Subject yourself to Jesus without inhibition. Make Him the Lord. 
He is the Savior of many of, uh, of our lives. And if He's Savior, He's becoming Lord, whether you like it or not. Some of us are a little smarter and we get that Lord piece a little quicker on. And a lot of us have to go through a lot of struggles to remember, oh yeah, He saved me and He's the Lord of my life. Okay? You need to make Him Lord. Now, here's some practical how-tos from Scripture. And you might not think they're practical, but I think they're very practical. And I don't, I don't think this is controversial because for 2,000 years of Christian history, these passages were well understood, well accepted as orthodox Christian, uh, Christian doctrine. Okay, they, the, the, the things that I'm going to read here uh, soon come from the book of Proverbs. And remember, you've got to start with a sincere faith and trust in God as your Father and Lord. Which leads to, as we talked about last week, an agape love, an unconditional love. Which leads to a strong, authoritative, nurturing, and admonishing love of your child. And then that takes us to Proverbs thirteen twenty four, And a little bit of nineteen eighteen. But this, this, is, this is the proverb that a lot of people get stuck on. Okay? It basically says in Proverbs thirteen twenty four. If you spare the rod, and then in 1918, if you do not discipline, train your child, you hate your child. Now, nobody would claim to, I I hope and pray, nobody in here especially, followers of Christ especially, would never claim to hate your children. But it says very clearly that if you spare the rod... If you are unwilling to discipline your child, you hate them. Why? Why does it say that? Now, in 1324, when it says, if you spare the rod, you hate your child, it's talking about physical discipline. It's talking about what many people have called corporal punishment or spanking. Okay, Physical discipline done with godly love is an expression of love toward your child. Now, a lot of you might disagree with that, argue with that, uh, because your experience hasn't had that second part. Okay, You've had the physical discipline, but for sure it was not done in love, and it was abusive. And you find it hard to understand how spanking a child, particularly younger children could possibly be something that God asked us to do. Well, we need to check our heart, and we need to see, is there pride in thinking our way is the best way, or are we willing to at least uh, submit or have an open to, uh, openness to submission in, in this regard? And folks, if you cannot physically discipline your child in godly love, for the express purpose of training them to get back on the path of the gospel as they move towards Jesus, then you should not do it. If you are an abusive person who spanks their child abusively, you need to talk to someone now. You need to repent And you need to speak with one of the pastors of of our church, one of the elders of our church. Because that is not what the Bible describes, nor is it what uh, any Christian doctrine has described throughout history. Okay, so you need to check your heart. Are you doing this out of pride 
Or are you doing it submissively to God because he says to do it? Now, if you want a good description of what corporal punishment should look like, I would advise you to read a book called Shepherding a Child's Heart. Uh, Last name of the author is Tripp with two P's, T-R-I-P-P. It gives a great description and counsel on how to do this. Okay, And what's behind it and how God uses that when done in a loving, non-abusive way to see heart change in the child. And remember, if, if you're not willing to discipline, you hate your child. Now, I would also say, if you read that book, you need to get counsel on, uh, from those in the church who have practiced this well. And I say this in all caps with two exclamation points. Never abusively spank your child. If you are in a fit of exasperated anger, you should not, in any way, shape, or form, touch your child. You should go into a prayer closet, repent of your anger, repent of your pride, and seek counsel and help from Scripture and other people to grow in your understanding of what this looks like. I think I've been clear enough on that. Um, It's important. We'll talk here about the second point, and I'll show you why. Physical discipline provides hope to the child. Proverbs 19.18 Hope is not just flowery strawberries and cream feelings from the sky. Okay, Hope is a condition that is given us in lieu of what we deserve. Okay, we sin. We deserve death. We deserve separation from God. And yet, a child and all of us need to be taught what hope looks like. Hope is rooted in grace and forgiveness and restoration and training your child. And if physical uh, uh, discipline is involved in that, uh, you need to have this aspect of, this is hopeful. You're being disciplined out of love, so that hope will get rooted in your heart. And you can understand that you can't hope in yourself. You can only hope in Jesus. Okay? There's something happens in in that process where hope gets rooted in the heart of the child. All of that happens in proper biblical discipline. Third point on the how-tos. Okay? Folly is everywhere. I don't know if you've watched... I don't even think you have to watch TV anymore. Just walk around. Like, go to the mall. Folly is everywhere. And and we as parents have to work hard to see that it doesn't infect your child. It says in Proverbs 22, 15, that discipline drives away folly. You want your child to be wise, but proper discipline is needed so it can drive away the folly that your child is prone to. And all children are. Fourth, your child's going to be okay. They're not going to be scarred for life if done properly, biblically, with love, as we've expressed many times here in this sermon. Your child's going to be okay if you will submit to and heed God's word. Proverbs twenty two thirteen basically says that your snowflake won't melt. Okay? Now, culture says, don't discipline 
don't certainly don't discipline in the way that God has instructed you to do. And God says, do discipline. He says it over and over and over again. Just don't exasperate your child to anger. Deal with your heart before you deal with the heart of your child. Now, when I talk about the heart, it leads me to the last thing that we'll talk about here before we close up shop. Spanking is not the only form of discipline. It's great if properly done in the younger ages. I don't know if this is true, but researchers say that your child's disposition in terms of how they respond to correction and training and discipline is kind of cemented around that three to five year thing. And all you go like, oh, crud. My kid just turned six. Okay? Don't worry, okay? Um, let me say this. If you, if you are properly doing it in the younger ages, it will set your child's heart on the right trajectory. But I no longer spank my children. I have an almost six foot two, 230 pound son sitting in the back of this room. Spanking is probably not the wisest thing to do, but you know what I can do with him and with my other kids who are a little older? I can talk to them about the heart. Jesus has saved them. They've been baptized. They are followers of Jesus Christ. We can talk about, hey, where's your heart right now in the way that you're treating your sister? Where's your heart right now? What's, what is these words that coming out of your mouth, it says they're rooted in your heart. What's going on in here that the words of your mouth are saying this? I've seen my children sometimes, not often, but sometimes brought to tears thinking about, you know what, you're right, it's rooted here. We can have that conversation. So discipline and training as they get older isn't just this rigid, wooden you know, we will do this like robots, okay? It takes some wisdom on your part to know what your child responds to. Let me give you a hint. Take the cell phone, okay? No, that's just one thing that's where, okay. Take the cell phone and you will see heart change, I guarantee. Um, okay? Maybe not in all cases. I don't spank my children anymore, but I do discipline and train them to get them back on the path of the gospel, not on my path of behavior modification. And nurturing and admonish, uh, admonishing needs to be done wisely at an age-appropriate level. So get wisdom. And you can get wisdom from Jesus. And it starts with understanding what Jesus did on the cross for you. And it starts from there going into a place where you begin to grow in your understanding of, of God's grace and His mercy towards you. And you begin to see your child not as a, a robot that you should program, but as a human being who you love and want to nurture and want to point to Jesus Christ because that is the only way. As you come to the table today, and as I come to the table today, Repent. Change your mind about what you've done. If it doesn't correspond with Scripture, if you have no idea, if you question what's been said today, find some godly counsel. Have a conversation. Don't dismiss things out of hand. Let's talk. Let's, let's discuss this uh, like, 
people coming into a place where they're reasoning together on how to best point your child to Christ. That's the goal. We want your child to be pointed to Christ. We're going to take communion. The bread represents Jesus' body that was broken for you. His blood is represented by the wine and the juice that was shed for you. Wine has typically been part of the communion process because there is, a, there is a part of it that is bitter and the taste of it can shock the mouth and Jesus' death on the cross for our sins as parents against our children were nailed to the cross. He bled, he died, and he rose again to give you his righteousness, to give you his heart for your child. Come to the table if you're a believer. Let's pray. Father God, uh, as we often say, as many times as we feel there's fingers pointing at us, there's always three pointing back at ourselves. And the grace and the mercy of God is sufficient for pastors, for teachers, for city group leaders, for congregation members, for all of us to grow in our knowledge and in our love so that we can point our our children who are a blessing to Jesus. Let us not be afraid of discipline of training because it will show a heart of hatred towards our children. We want a biblical love. We want a godly love. We want a spirit-empowered and inspired love. As we come to the table today, let us receive your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness and let us walk away from this table inspired by your word, inspired by your power to repent and believe in the gospel. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.